Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. This week's episode is brought to you by HealthyMoving.com. Stay tuned to hear more about the Healthy Moving Revolution later in today's show, when I'll tell you how you can attend a free class to start the new year right. Now, welcome back to the show where every week we go exploring in the pursuit of awesome. You are listening to a special edition of Sorta Awesome. I've invited all three of the co-hosts to join me today as we reflect back on the best of 2015. This year has been a wild ride for all four of us, filled with new endeavors, some big transitions, and lots of memorable moments. Throughout most of 2015, we started each show by sharing our Awesome of the Week. But it seemed really appropriate this week to start this special episode, filled with our year-end lookbacks, by sharing um, a shiny moment of sorts from our own lives, one sparkly moment that stands out from the rest of the year. Kelly, what moment would that be in your life? Well, when you put it in that way, a sparkly moment, the memory that came to me was hands down family camp. Our family went to family camp this last summer, and it was just one of those perfect weeks, you know, one of those things that you can't really orchestrate, but end up being the pinnacle of your year. We'd actually done family camp for a couple of years when our oldest two were young, But, you know, it's really logistically challenging with toddlers. There's a lake, you know, it's a big camp and that sort of thing. So we took a few years off. But our older kids remembered it with this kind of wild abandoned glee. They would talk about it in terms that you usually reserve for Disneyland or going to the moon or things that are crazy, crazy fun. And so we thought, well, this year we'll go back. And it really was. It was just perfect. You know, we swam, we did crafts. There was amazing, really healthy, amazing, good food that I didn't have to cook for six whole days, you know. (laughs) Um, There were lighthearted games and contests. Our family won the carpet ball tournament that was camp-wide. Like, my kids are still kind of glowing because of that. My sister and her family came with us, so the younger ones had cousins to play with. It was just one of those weeks where it's Very rare, I think, as a family to be able to have all these opportunities in front of you, things to do, all these fun activities. But at the same time, we were together and the pace of our life slowed down and really narrowed to just each other. We ate meals together. We went to chapel together. We did s'mores together. There were times that the little kids would run to the playground and the grownups would stay and drink coffee around the table because we're like, eh, 
we'll catch up to them. You know, there are other families around, there are uh, counselors around, and there were times we got to spend with each kid, you know, doing a craft with this one or doing capture the flag with that one or the zip line, whatever. It was just one of those sorts of, of weeks that it's been good for me in the last week to remember sometimes, especially when you have just been through the holidays and everything is crazy and you think, did any of this matter? Did any of this sink in? To remember, there are those times that my kids look back and there's just fondness and it's happy. It's a family memory. It was definitely like a big, huge sparkle, pinnacle mountaintop for our family for 2015. Oh my gosh. I love that. I cannot wait until all of our kids are old enough to go away and do something like that. It sounds so fun. So it is awesome. Thank you for that. Rebecca, how about you? My shiniest moment was celebrating my 10-year wedding anniversary with my husband. And I'm going to give it sappy on you guys. <laughs> but I truly feel like I know my husband and I respect my husband and I love my husband now more than ever. Mm-hmm. He has just such a huge heart and I'm so thankful that I get to claim him as mine. And, of course, celebrating with a kid-free week at the beach wasn't (laughs) half bad either. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Oh, my word. Yes, that was just amazing. We went away with some other friends that were also celebrating their 10-year anniversaries this year. And for the first time ever, I had a child-free vacation. And it was just ah, so relaxing, so phenomenal, so amazing. It even made my awesome of the week this past summer. That's right. It did. That's right. Love that for you. Uh, Laura, shiniest moment of 2015 for you. I would have to say it was going to Israel in March with dear friends and amazing spiritual leaders. For me, that trip to the Middle East was scary and important and fun. Um, it was led by my longtime, very, very good friend, Shauna Nequist, and her mom, Lynn Hybels. They put together a group of women that uh, some of them I already knew, some of them were already my very close friends, some of them were totally new to me. And so to do a trip like that with 20 powerful, inspiring women, it was really great. I still think about that trip every single day. And I talked about it um, on one of the very earliest episodes of Sort of Awesome, and I was still processing it then. I'm definitely still processing it now, but it, it goes down in my 2015 as definitely a best of. I love it. I love it. I know even every now and again, you'll share with me some new insight that you've had that came from that trip. I can only mm-hmm. imagine how powerful it was. So yes, thank you for that. Um, so for me, gosh, 2015 was a year it was totally filled with some really beautiful, inspiring moments. Some things happened that I just never dreamed of as being possible. So this was really hard to pin down one sparkly moment, but I'm going to have to say the the weekend retreat that I took with some girlfriends back in October when we went to Utah. I talked about it a little bit on the show. That is probably my shiniest moment from 2015. As I had mentioned when I mentioned it on the show, I had not been away from home really since 2012 was the last time I'd really packed up and left. And just having the freedom for the kids to all be in a space and an age where I could do that, for Kyle's job to be flexible enough to where he could man the fort while I was gone, for everything to fall into place, and then to get to connect with some of my favorite people in the world, um, face-to-face, heart-to-heart, have some really great conversations against the backdrop of a completely beautiful state that was so welcoming and so fun. That retreat, I think, is my sparkliest moment from 2015. So Mm -hmm. it was a great time. So those are great moments to think back on. Today's show is going to be different from any show we've done yet. 
Uh, hopefully, it's the first of many year-end shows to come. I hope so. I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did confess earlier this month in the Hangout group that honestly and secretly, I really actually like New Year's more than the Christmas holidays, I think. There's something so wonderful about the fresh start of the new year and the sort of sentimental, thoughtful look back on the year that has gone by that I just, I don't know, I can't get over it every single year. I love it so much. So having said that, I've put together a couple of questions that I am so looking forward to hearing each of you weigh in on about this past year. The first question is, what did you learn this year? What did you learn in 2015? Kelly, let's hear from you first. That is a really big question. When I look back over 2015, there are so many lessons, but there was one in particular that kept rising to the top. One of them that is more overarching and then one that was more practical. The overarching one was how much I have learned that I need white space. It's yeah. not just a nice idea. It is mandatory for my sanity and for my well-being as a woman and as a mom, the roles that I play in my life. And the reason that I really learned that this lesson was important to me was because I think there have been these gradual changes in my life over the last few years to put white space into place, to slow down, to learn the power of saying no. And what would happen is I would you know, end up in a season this year where everything got crazy for different reasons. And I would realize, oh my goodness, I need that. That I didn't realize how much I'd grown to depend on that margin until it was taken away. And then I thought, oh my word, I'm losing my brain. What is going on? And then I thought, oh, I have no white space built into my calendar right now. And so sometimes because a season would be over or I would go back and make some changes to my own schedule, whatever it was, I would get back to that white space and my whole soul would, you know, because I can breathe again. And not only can I breathe again, my kids can breathe again, especially since I'm solo parenting. I do not have room for air as much. I really have to be laser focused on doing the kind of self-care that I can that's going to take care of me and make me take care of them in a way that's healthy. So that is something that is a huge lesson that I have learned. I really embraced it this year and said, no, this is something that is absolutely mandatory for me to make sure that my life doesn't get too busy, that my kids don't get too busy, that we have margins, that we're not running out of the house at the last minute, all those things. Kind of in line with that, the more specific lesson is I have all of my kids in school this year. I have learned I have to be home when they get off that bus and I have to be ready. It's go time for me. I've kind of joked with friends because they're all getting off the bus, tired and hungry. They've got homework, whatever it is. I have about a five minute window to grab them and say, hey, welcome home. How are you doing? Let's hang up your jacket. Remember? Remember how to hang up your jacket? <laughs> We're going to get your homework out. What do you have for homework? Do you want a snack? And if I can do that, if I can help them transition to the home and they're doing their homework right away and they get some food or we unpack their lunch and they really actually eat it at home, whatever it is, it helps them. It helps the whole evening. If I miss even by half an hour, if they come into the house and I'm not there because I'm running errands or whatever, they're home. Everything's out on the floor. They've all hit attitudes. They all have a screen. And I'm like, hey, let's come back and do homework. And they're like, I don't think so. So I'm like, that has become at the beginning. I thought, well, they can let themselves in the house. It's not a big deal. No, I've really learned like when those two buses come home, I have to be there. I'm almost waiting by the door like a little border collie, like our dog, <laughs> like waiting for those kids to come in. Really right. important for me. Really big lesson because I haven't really had this before where right. they've all been in school. Really big deal for me. 
Yes, I totally get that. And I only have one that comes home in the afternoon because the other one goes off to activities. And so it is hands on, like the activity hits Mm -hmm. and you are just in it. So yes, I relate to that so much. I love it. I love it. I love your thoughts on white space too. That is so huge and so powerful in the lives of so many people. So thank you for sharing your insights on that. Okay, let's see. Laura, 2015, what did you learn? I learned a lot, but most importantly, I learned that if you really want your life to change, if you pray for it or you put it into the universe, that you want your life to change in some way, it will. <laughs> That's um, pretty big. <laughs> it's it's pretty big. My theme for the year, I, I pick a theme every single year, and I blog about this and sort of carry it through my social media and a lot of stuff I do all year. Past themes have been start where you are, do the work. My theme this year was only what matters. And in ways big and small, my life was really pared down to only what matters. And this is like things I didn't see coming, things I didn't even always necessarily want, like the death of a dream, shedding some friendships. When I became serious about focusing on only what matters, the world brought me only what matters. So the biggest outward expression of that was closing my blog. That is not something at all I started the year thinking was going to happen. And as I, as we sort of stare down the end of this year, I'm very acutely aware I'm left with less than I had 12 months ago, but all of it is better. Oh, mm-hmm. oof, that is good. Yeah. That is so good. I'm going to be thinking about that for a mm. while. Love it. Okay, Rebecca, what did you learn in 2015? Well, Megan, thanks to your obsession with Myers-Briggs personality types. Yes, yes. I, I feel <laughs> like I have learned more about myself and other personality types this year than I have any other year. And because of that, I feel like I've learned to become more gracious of other people's quirks and traits that are different from mine. So for example, Myers-Briggs has given my husband and I a language or a label, whatever you want to call it, a way for us to discuss our differences. So recently, when we hosted a gathering at our house, And my big picture thinking husband forgot to mention the little detail that nearly 20 people were coming instead of the five that I assumed were coming. Oh, wow. (laughs) We were able to laugh about it. And I really didn't get so upset. I mean, it helped that we realized this before the guests started arriving at the door. (laughs) Right. And I was able to change my perspective and plan accordingly. Um, But I just feel like I have so much of a better understanding of just the way that different people's minds work and then offering grace for that. That is excellent. I love it. You know, my whole Myers-Briggs journey started to uh, be able to understand my husband more and help him understand me. So I love that it is having that impact in your life too. I really, really love that. These are so great. Y'all are inspiring. So proud of you guys. These are all really big things. For me, as you all can probably guess, the biggest thing is this very thing that we are doing right now, this podcast, learning how to create and produce, edit, publish a podcast. It's definitely the biggest thing that I've learned this year. And I'm still learning like every single week as I listen to the show, I'm taking notes and like, okay, this was good, but we can do this better every single week. And I, you know, I I don't know if I can really explain why it was so important to me 
to do all of the technical stuff and learn the whole process behind the scenes and do it myself. Lots of people, when they start shows, hire that workout, and that's totally fine and great. I looked into that. I thought about it. I deliberated for a long time if I should hire professionals to do this. (laughs) And ultimately, I just decided that it was so fun. Once I started digging into the back end of things, I was just so up for the challenge of it. And I think in a lot of ways, teaching myself how to publish and create and publish a podcast sort of is a bigger, I can do hard things kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since I really worked on a project from the ground up and then actually followed through on it and made it happen. So I think after I closed my blog in 2014, I was I was really craving that challenge of learning something from scratch, of being out of my comfort zone and doing something that I didn't think I could do and really being able to follow through on that. So I think, yeah, that's, that's really the biggest thing that I've learned this year. Also, I guess just despite all lots of evidence to the contrary in my life that I actually am the kind of person who can follow through on a big idea mm-hmm. and do what it takes to make it happen. So that's been pretty big for, uh, for a person who has a long history of starting things and then flaking out on them. <laughs> So it's been really rewarding, not to mention that I've just learned a whole lot. We are really glad that you chose to stretch yourself this way and invite us along for the journey. And I know I can speak for the whole community of awesomes. We're all glad we can give you a standing ovation right now because I'm sure that for (laughs) so many people listening right now, they would say this podcast has just made their life more sort of awesome in 2015. Well, good. I hope so. I hope so. Another reflection question that I love to think about at the end of every year, whether I discuss it with anybody else, or even if I just contemplate it for myself, is to think about the ways that I've grown and changed just in a year's time. You know, I think as parents, sometimes we look at our kids and we're like, I can't believe how much they've changed in this one year. But I mean, as adults, we're growing and changing. Hopefully, hopefully we're still on that path of growth and change all throughout our lives as well. So what I would love to hear from you all next are in what ways are you different right now at this point in the year than you were at the end of last year? Rebecca, get us started on that one. The way that I'm different goes back to Kelly's reflections on her need for white space. In 2014, that was a very busy season for me. I was blogging, I was writing an ebook and doing Pinterest consulting all at the same time. And every free moment was spent with me working. The kids were napping, I was working. The kids were tucked into their beds for the night. I was working. And it was good work, but it was exhausting to be on all the time. So this year, I made an intentional decision to scale back and take more time to relax. The book was finished. I decided to stop consulting. Instead, I read books and I zoned out watching Netflix and I really embraced my need to relax. And it has been such a good change for me to have that time to myself and to recognize, as Kelly said, I need this time to myself and it is okay for me to reward myself with alone time and time when I am not working. Yes. I know at the end of last year, you were so, you were just stretched as thin as it could get. And so I'm so glad that this year has brought those lessons into your life and that you are embracing it so that you're different at the end of this year. That's awesome. I love it. Kelly, how about you? Well, my answer would go along a little bit with Rebecca's because I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, the big literal change in my life this year has been that all four of my kids are now in school 
all day, every day, they take a bus. It's magical. So that <laughs> is something that is a huge shift. I have been a stay-at-home mom, always had somebody at home with me for 14 years. So I saw this coming, you know, a year ago when the kids started school their last year of the way they knew things. And I thought, wow, this is the last year that I will have life the way I have known it for 14 years. So here we got to September of 2015 and it really happened. It really They did. really all went to school. The baby went to kindergarten. It was a rough transition, but it has completely changed my day to day, completely changed my life. And so now I have more time to myself than I've probably ever had in my entire adult life because before I had kids, I was working full time. Um, I actually have struggled a little bit with guilt. <laughs> you know, they all get on the bus and I have these two rounds of kids and packing lunches and breakfast and getting dressed and they leave. And I think I, I'm alone. I can do whatever <laughs> I want. Like that's never happened before. So I have taken some naps. There have been a couple of mornings when I went back to bed and I laughed because I remember in high school, one time I came home maybe to get a book or something and my mom was asleep on the couch and I was horrified. Like, how dare you? How dare you? Know, you? The rest of us are out there <laughs> slaving. And she was like, I have earned this, you know, yes. kind of her. And now I understand that. And I, I, so I'm telling myself to combat the guilt. I've been doing this for 14 years. It is like the longest marathon that I will ever run of being a one-on-one -on -one stay at home mom. I have earned a little bit of rest. So that's been a huge, huge change. Right up there with the fact that I'm parenting teens now, that would be another big change. And we're just going to let that stand right there on its own. And the other thing, this is a silly one, but when I was thinking about what's different, I have readers that at the beginning of last year, when I went in for my eye appointment, they, I said, I can't read everything. And they said, well, you could, you know, go to the drugstore, go out here and get some readers. And I thought, oh, they're cute. They're a fun accessory. They're not an accessory anymore, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> they are like, absolutely, I can't read my phone. I've already given myself the old lady grandma, really big font on my iPhone. They're absolutely a necessity. And so I laughed. I thought, this is my change. This is my mark. Yes. Is that I need <laughs> these readers to read things. But I'm grateful for them. And they're still fun and cute. So I don't really care. They but are fun and cute. I love them. Okay. Laura, in what ways has this past year changed you? How are you different now than you were last year? I was quite fragile for most of last year and even the year before for lots of reasons. My husband's brother passed away last year and that left our family very raw and very vulnerable. Um, I was also pretty dejected in terms of my writing and some of my relationships. And I just, I was, I was pretty tender heart for a little bit. And I was having a real panic about time. Like my kids were little. I'd, I just, I felt a lot of desperation about how time was passing so quickly and you can't hold on to anything. And it sort of gave me like a low grade anxiety all the time. And then a lot of things happened. I mean, I, my kids got are of course getting a little bit older and that's easier for me emotionally. Um, and therapy and meditation and all the things that just, I would say starting the beginning of this summer, I've just felt more settled into myself. I had a good solid year or more of like caring very immensely about what other people think of me. I was really worried for a long time. I think just in my space of vulnerability for life circumstances also made me aware of other people's 
thoughts of me. And I, I just was, I just felt very exposed all the time. And suddenly, and I don't know why, and I just don't care nearly so much anymore. I just, I mean, not to say I don't care at all, but suddenly this summer I was like, oh, this actually doesn't even matter. (laughs) (laughs) It's sort of an extension of my only what matters Mm -hmm. thing. And one of those things I learned is that what other people think of you, not always, but a wide majority of, it doesn't matter. And so I really, that was like eye-opening for me. The most basic thing you're supposed to learn in middle school, I just relearned. <laughs> We're all just relearning things. It's Definitely. okay, Liz. That's yes. what we do. I just went ahead and relearned that one. And I don't know, it's, I feel like I have been struggling for a long time against changing. And this year, the cocoon just burst open and I've changed. I'm a changed person from when I was 16, from when I was 25, from when I was 30. Like I'm different and now I'm just letting it happen. I love it. I love it. I did not know you were going to say that, but what I was going to say to answer this question is it really echoes that as well. Because I feel like from this point at the end of this year to the last, I do feel a lot more comfortable in my own skin, which I know that is sort of the story of your 30s in general. I know lots of people experience that transition as they go through their 30s and head toward their 40s. But I think this was the first year I really like profoundly felt it. And like you were just saying, Laura, like I wasn't, I'm not quite so afraid of letting other people in to who I have really accepted myself as being as a person. So that's been a pretty big change for me. Also this year, I I think I rediscovered my voice, mm-hmm. which I realize it's a little on the nose (laughs) as we're recording a podcast and you're listening to my voice, but it it really is true. Um, I read through my journal as I was preparing for this show. I read through my journal and what I was writing this time last year, and I was so lost, you guys. I'm looking back at myself in December 2014, just like, oh, girl, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. (laughs) But and, and I wrote extensively about this in my journal, that writing had just become so much of a, a part of my identity for such a long time that I just, I couldn't conceptualize what life would be without writing in some way outside of my journal anymore. And even if I had wanted to, I couldn't. The words in a very mystical, magical, mysterious way, the words were gone. So it wasn't happening anymore. So in ways that I just, I could not have, imagined would be true, when I got behind a microphone, it really helped me to um, to really reconnect, I think, with this inner voice that I have that I hadn't heard from for a long time. So from last year to this one, I think that's a huge change for me, that I feel like I have found my voice again, and I feel really comfortable using it. And it's actually even, an, it's more than comfortable. I feel really energized using my voice again and and exploring and, and discovering what all of that means for me. So it's been a pretty big, pretty big shift for me in the past year. So speaking of things that energize us, mm-hmm. let's move on from our very serious reflection questions, which by the way, thank you guys so much for trusting all of that to our listeners, to our audience, our community, because that's some some pretty big powerful stuff. Hey there, awesomes. I want you all to know that it is not too late to sign up for the free class created just for you by Jen Hoffman, the certified personal trainer, restorative exercise specialist, and registered yoga teacher behind healthymoving.com. You can text Sorta Awesome, no spaces, all one word, to 33444 
or go to healthymoving.com slash sorta awesome for access to this free class. Jen has created the Unresolution class for the awesome community with guidance for how to get your body the movement it needs without setting a New Year's resolution. If you are ready to feel better both in and about your body, then you are ready for Jen's program. Thank you again, Healthy Moving, for your awesome support of this show. So... We spent some time talking about some of the more serious things of the year, but now let's lighten up and run down a list of some of our favorites from 2015. I love a year-end list. You guys, I'm so giddy about this. I love it. It's my favorite part at the end of the year. One of the things that all four of us have in common is that we're all listeners. Uh, We listen to each other on Voxer. We (laughs) plan lots of behind-the-scenes stuff for the show on Voxer. We all listen to podcasts of a variety of tastes and interests. Uh, All of us listen to music. So I know all of us have something good going on in our earbuds at all times. Laura, 2015, what has been your favorite in listening? On Being is still my very, very favorite podcast. I learned so much from Krista Tippett in every episode. Even if I think I'm not going to like that episode, I love it. But the... Most important thing I listened to this year by far was This American Life's episode called The Problem We All Mm. Live With. Oh, my Mm -hmm. gosh. Yes. It's it's about race integration in schools. And I made my husband listen to it. He's not a podcast listener. And we talk about it or reference it weekly, at least. It's the most important thing I listened to if I had to really narrow. That's oh, so excellent. I got chill bumps, really, just when you said it. It is so powerful. If you have not listened to it, I cannot urge you strongly enough to to look it up and listen to it. Kelly, how about you in the listening department? Well, I'm going to choose a podcast as well. And kind of like Laura's, it's not new, but it's just been my favorite this year. It's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, another NPR sort of a podcast. And those not familiar with it, it is kind of a improv take on news, very smart and funny people. I listen to it every week and laugh my head off. Honestly, it is the best way to pass time and not realize that I'm passing time doing something like folding laundry or cooking something that's mundane. And I learned from it too. There's always a few news stories that I was like, well, I didn't hear about that because they're obscure or they're funny. It just makes me happy. I tell people at least once a week about some joke or Maz Jobrani's accents that he uses on the show or Paula Poundstone is absolutely a hoot always, always a hoot. Um, Some joke from that show makes my week. And so it's definitely the thing I was listening to in 2015. Rebecca, how about you? Well, this has been the year of podcasts. (laughs) I almost (laughs) always choose listening to a podcast over music. And some of my favorites from this year have been Startup, Invisibilia, Spilled Milk, The Popcast, And dare I say, sort of (laughs) awesome. I look forward to listening to each of you and our guest hosts every single week. I can confidently say that if I stopped co-hosting, I would still be a huge sort of awesome fan. Thank you, Rebecca. That means a lot. That really does. Okay. Well, my favorite, I guess I'm going to stand out from the crowd on this one. I chose music. Uh, for my favorite and listening this week. And I kind of feel like I'm cheating a little bit because it is a very new release. It came at the end of the year. And that is Adele's 25 album. Uh, Lots of people had 
strong reactions to the first single that came off of that album, Hello, famously turned into a Saturday Night Live skit (laughs) that lots of us shared and enjoyed around Thanksgiving time. I have to tell you that Hello is by far not even my favorite song on that album. I love the song When We Were Young. It is fantastic for driving down the road and just belting out in the privacy of your own car or in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Send My Love to Your New Lover is a very fun, upbeat Adele song. Another one I love is Sweetest Devotion. I mean, it's just, it's an album packed with amazing, soulful, just Adele doing what she does best. Just big, big feelings in that voice, that Adele voice. The 25 album is fantastic. I do have to say too, that in terms of podcasts, I look forward to every week, the podcast, I've talked about it to the point of embarrassment, really (laughs) throughout the year. I do still love it so much. Jamie and Knox are just, I, I, I adore them. They crack me up. That is the one show that is most likely to get me laughing out loud in public to the, uh, to the wonderment of the people around me. I do have to say they almost wandered into danger territory recently. They suggested that Alicia Florick might be an overrated TV character. I gave them copious amounts of side eye on that. What? <laughs> no, I, I said that out loud in my kitchen. I was as I was listening. I was like, no, why? I mean, if I didn't love them as well, I might unsubscribe for I that mean. kind of thing. <laughs> But it is definitely still a highlight of every week for me. So keep up the great work, Knox and Jamie. We love you so much over here. It's sort of awesome. So next up in favorites, reading. All of us, all four of us are readers with varying degrees of taste and um, devotion, I should say. (laughs) But I would love to hear what tops the list for you in the reading department in 2015. Kelly, get us started. Oh, good grief. How do you choose one book, you know, or one thing that you read? So I just had to go with a few different things because I really read all all sorts of different genres. So I'm going to say the book of 2015 that has influenced me the most and I'm sure will continue to influence me is a actual Christian book. It's called Unapologetic. Why, despite everything, Christianity can still make surprising emotional sense. It's by a Brit, Francis Spuford. Isn't that a great British name? Yes. Like you just you have to be from the UK with a name like Francis Buford. Um, <laughs> it is not a book for everyone. There is quite a bit of swearing, so if that's going to offend you, then don't pick it up. But it is exactly what I needed to read this year for my own spiritual journey to read somebody who talks about why we don't have to be right all the time, why all these things, all these shifts reminded me a lot of Sarah Bessie's Out of Sorts, you know, where we come through our faith, we shift through things, and we say, these are actually the things that matter. And so, so much of his writing just resonated with me. And especially, I think, for someone who's not an American, to be able to speak to the Americans and say, some of us have actually been through some of these spiritual evolutions as a culture already in Canada and the UK and some of Europe. And it's not as scary as maybe you're being led to believe. And so it it really clarified my thinking and in my heart. And I bought it, which I don't buy that many books anymore. I tend to read them at the library and decide. So if I buy a book because I'm going to read it more than once, that's a really big vote of approval from me. I also read a ton online. So I read books every day, but I spend more time reading online. So if I had to pick a news site, because of course I love news, that I read just for fun and for interest, it is hands down The Atlantic. Mm, It's a magazine, so you can get it in print form as well. They are smart. 
They think of fun stories, interesting stories. They did a piece whoa, I think it was back in the spring, called What ISIS Wants, that is still, I still see pop up in Twitter as if it was a new article because it's so relevant. And it was really going into, you know, the theology, the thinking. Um, it Their stories are not short, which I love. They are not soundbite stories. They are well-researched. They tackle the really important issues of today and maybe the not-so-important issues of the day. Um, but it's all really told from a very smart, well-written, engaging sort of journalistic format. And so I just have never not I've never gone to their website and not found something that has enlarged my brain. So good to know. Thank you for that. Rebecca, the reading department, what do you have for us? I feel like we're going back to the confessional episode with this Uh-oh. answer. Uh-oh. Oh no. And I'm like laughing to myself listening to Kelly's because my answer could not be more different. <laughs> I read an entire book in one day this year, and it is totally, totally embarrassing. <laughs> the book was I Didn't Come Here to Make Friends. Oh, my God. Confessions gosh. of a Reality Show Villain. <laughs> that is so perfect. Both of your answers are so perfectly you. I love it. I am speechless. I know, Laura, you're totally not going to approve. It was written by Courtney Robertson, who won the final rose on The Bachelor season 16 with Ben Flanick. She was not well-liked on her season, and she wrote it, I think, in a way to kind of save face. And I'm not sure that it was very, uh, I'm not sure that it met that goal, to be honest. Um, So the book was not deep thinking. It was not fantastic literature. But as a huge Bachelor franchise fan, I found it absolutely fascinating. And clearly, I could not put it down. I read it in a day. (laughs) And I just want to be clear here. I don't necessarily recommend this book. (laughs) But if you are like me and you're slightly obsessed with the Bachelor franchise and you would like to extend your experience, you know, there's podcasts you can listen to and you can also check out Courtney's book. That is so fun and so funny. <laughs> okay, Laura, I know your tastes are very different as well. In fact, <laughs> you just shared a whole list of books on the last episode with Ann Bogle, talking about some of your favorites from 2015. Do you have anything else brand new that you can share with us that you did not cover on that episode? Yes, two books that we just didn't get to on that episode that have made a huge difference in my year. Um, the first one is The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And I don't know if that's how you say his name. I just improvised that. <laughs> I I care a lot about habits. Um, in 2014, I did a habit challenge on my blog where each month I either tried to make or break a habit. And I just am fascinated with the little rituals that we do every day and how it affects the rest of our day. And The Power of Habit, it sounds like that would be like a boring book. It's really, really not. So anybody who is also interested in that or wants to make changes in their life, they will really like what he has to say. The number one thing I took from it was changing just one thing, changing just one habit will domino into lots of other things. And I've seen that firsthand. I started getting up earlier this year and it has changed the rest of my day. I cut my Dr. Pepper habit radically and it has changed the way that I eat. So just changing like one thing affects like all the other things. So that was super meaningful to me. And then the other one 
that kind of goes with my only what matters theme of the year is called Essentialism by Greg McGowan. And that's for people who maybe they're interested in the only what matters idea or they're interested in having a more simple life, but they like, how would you do that? Like, what are you supposed to cut? What are you supposed to look at? Like, you know, if you're sort of befuddled by that or don't even know where to start with that, then Essentialism is so, so good. And both of those are quick reads, easy reads, would be helpful for everybody. Fantastic. Love it. Well, for me, I would have to start by saying The Skim, which is that email newsletter I've talked about on the show. It's an email newsletter with daily news summaries, continues to change my life. That is not an overstatement. I feel like I'm finally plugged in and they present the information in such a concise and nonpartisan way that I can just get the facts that I need to be able to participate in a conversation and go on with my day. I love it so much. I'm so thankful that it has come into my life this year. Secondly, at the beginning of the year, I discovered Ruth Reichel, who is the former food critic for the New York Times. I actually started by, I just kind of stumbled across her novel, this called Delicious, at the beginning of the year. And I am here to tell you, it is a delight. It is so sweet and so charming. It's at the intersection of two of my favorite things, which is chiclet and talking about food. <laughs> so I just absolutely loved that novel. It's It was just so sweet. And, I, and all year, all year, I have been trying to find a book that would be along those same lines that I thought I might like as well as I really loved Delicious. After I read that, because I wanted to hear more from her, I checked out one of her memoirs. She's sort of written her experience with experiences with food in a series of memoirs. And I accidentally, I didn't realize that, this, that I had done this, but I picked up the last, sort of one of the last installments, and it's called Garlic and Sapphires, The Secret Life of a Critic in Disguise. And she wrote this, and it's, it's really standalone. You don't have to read her earlier uh, installments of her memoir to be able to enjoy Garlic and Sapphires. But she wrote in this about her years reviewing restaurants in New York City for the New York Times. It is so funny and so fascinating. She would come up with these elaborate costumes and disguises so that when she went to these restaurants, which all had, you know, this was in the 80s, maybe into the 90s, and every restaurant in New York City had like sketches of her, descriptions of what she would look like. So everyone would be on the lookout when she came in. Well, so she came up with these elaborate disguises so that she could go in and just have an average diner's experience in each restaurant that she reviewed. And in the book, she also covers how she lost her love for food writing and then how she ultimately discovered it again. It's just fantastic. If you love to read about great food, I highly recommend Ruth Reichel's books. She writes with such devotion and tenderness to the topic of food and eating and just fantastic stuff. Like I said, I keep trying to recreate that experience and I haven't been able to yet. So now, in our copious free time, when we're not listening to podcasts, when we're not reading, sometimes we do sit down and watch things, whether it's movies or TV binges or just regular TV shows. I would love to hear, Rebecca, as you think about 2015, what was at the top of your list in the watching department? I am a big fan of quality dramas, but this year I abandoned all hope for <laughs> Academy acclaimed films. <laughs> And I fully indulged in the lighthearted romantic chick flick again and again and again. And I can't explain why, but 
literally every time I would open up my laptop and think to myself, I'm going to enjoy some time to myself, relax, that white space that we were talking about. I could not bring myself to watch anything that was going to be remotely serious. All I wanted was the romantic chick flick. So I indulged, and some of my favorites from the past year have been In Your Eyes, which was my very first awesome of the week. It was. That's right. Uh, The Rebound, Safe Haven, and Take Care were also at the top of my list, all available on Netflix. Absolutely not fantastic in any deep, meaningful way whatsoever, but they just made me feel good. Just good old-fashioned escapism. Yes. We all need it in our lives sometimes. Laura, how about you in the watching department? I can't wait to hear what you have. The Good Wife, all day long, forever. Yeah. (laughs) The Good Wife. Obsessed, bawled my eyes out, cheered, like every emotion have I had towards this show that I never wanted to watch. Um, People have been raving about The Good Wife for years, obviously. And I was like, that doesn't look good to me, which is unusual because I love political dramas, like love them, love them. The West Wing, whoop, whoop. But <laughs> I I don't know. And I'm super into wives as well. I really love like reading wife, um, like historical. I don't know. I don't know why I didn't watch it until this year, but I finally did. And I love it. Also, there were episodes of Oprah's Super Soul Sunday that made a big impact on me this year. I, I watched every Super Soul Sunday and tweet about it. I don't even care how cheesy that is. I love it. And if I may plug for one moment, my husband released a documentary on ESPN called Angry Sky that you can watch on demand and I think on Netflix as well. And it um, is truly excellent if you are liking just a good story. It's not really a sports story like most of the ESPN movies are, but I think it's good, especially good date night type of Netflix thing to watch with your significant other or by yourself. It's a great story. That is a great recommendation. So good. Kelly, how about you? Okay, here is where I do yin-yang to the Atlantic and to my really hard to use things, the things that I read is nonfiction. So Rebecca, this was, this will make you feel better. Oh, good. I tried to come up with some good, you know, I don't watch a lot of TV. And so I know we're in the golden age of television, the second golden age, right? There's so much good TV. We can't even watch it all. And what am I watching? Days of our lives. Oh my word. (laughs) I can't believe that's still on the air. I can't believe I just admitted that on the podcast. (laughs) We cannot either, Kelly. We are all shocked. This is the confession episode, right? Am I in the wrong episode? <laughs> You're in the wrong episode, but keep going. Kelly, I watched Days of Our Lives for 13 years. <laughs> okay, and see, that's the thing. So here's the thing. Days of Our Lives just celebrated their 50th anniversary. So oh. almost everybody has watched Days of Our Lives at some point, Rebecca. And that's true. So when I make this confession to people, I am growing more bold because – People will say, oh, I watched that in the 80s or I watched it with my college roommates in the 90s, whatever. It has been on for 50 years, five days a week of television. I cannot even imagine how exhausted some of these writers and these people. I mean, I know they've turned over some, but not everybody, because ladies and gentlemen, for the 50th anniversary, they brought back all the old people. And I don't think this is a spoiler or anything because it was pretty... Much out there the last couple of weeks, but Bo Brady just died. <gasps> Again? No, like for real. Like he's dead. He came in. Hope was getting married to this guy who turned out to try to strangle her on their wedding night. He burst down the door. He had been held captive, been tortured to try to get, you know, the secret for a drug that he had been researching. He kills the guy who's trying to kill Hope. Hope wakes up. 
Bo is back. A week later, he finds out he has a brain tumor. He dies in her arms. Boom. <laughs> oh, my wait, word. Wait, wait, wait. On their wedding night, haven't Bo and Hope been married for no. 43 years? Well, probably 103, like really, you know, but that's how soap opera time goes. They, Bo has been off the show for four or five years. He has been missing. So she divorced him because he abandoned her. So there were all these, you know, big feelings that she had leading up to her marriage to this new guy who was really nice and actually there. It is so soap opera, but you know what? It is escapism. Exactly what Rebecca said. It is, there's something oddly comforting to me that this show that I used to watch and I have watched for different times throughout my life is still on and it's still going. And you know, the actors make these kind of side comments like, well, welcome to a wedding in Salem, like nothing ever is normal here, (laughs) you know, because it's true. It's true. But it's just, it makes me happy. And so I laugh that here, my sister is like, for the love of God. Finish watching Parenthood so we can talk about it. And I'm like, Emily, I have 45 minutes to watch TV. I'm watching days. So that's what I watched in 2015. Fully embraced, stepped right back into Salem. There I am. Um, This episode has taken an unexpected turn. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. There we go. Kelly, I have known you to drop Days of Our Lives references into casual conversation through the years. (laughs) I thought it was because you watched it when you were in college or something. Well, I did. But this year, thanks to the NBC app, I can watch it while I'm folding the laundry. Yeah, yeah, you can. You can. That's so sad. Here I am, and I'm just outing myself, and I don't even care. I don't even care because this goes back to I'm comfortable in my own skin, and apparently I have a patch of skin on my life for Patch from Days of My Life. She's also back. Kelly, you really don't care. I don't know. That's a, I, I may have like jumped this, you know, crossed a line here into maybe we you should. expected this from me, Kelly, but from <laughs> you, I don't know. Well, this will be scrubbed someday, right? No. No one this will is, remember. No one will down. remember this. This is going down in the annals of history for sure. I don't know if I could get a hold of myself to stop laughing. <laughs> To go on this, I it's going to take me some time to process. But no, that. come on, Megan, take it back, take it back. What do you watch? I'm sure you watch better TV than me. <laughs> well, for 50 years, yeah, mine is also The Good Wife. I realize, like you said, Kelly, I realize that we are in a wonderful age of television. I listen to Pop Culture Happy Hour and the podcast and other shows where they're talking about shows that are in current production that are really great and people are talking about and loving, but I just now got around to The Good Wife too. In fact, Laura is the one who got me started on it. I am not caught up to the current season, but I am caught up through the end of season six. I still think about those characters. I have deep and thoughtful conversations with my friends about the plot developments and the character growth and the story arcs. It's just, it's really great writing and a fantastic ensemble, such memorable characters. So The Good Wife for 2015, I am still just loving it. So one realm of life that the four of us never shy away from and rarely get tired of talking about is food. Uh, Well, food and drink might be more accurate. So as you all think back over 2015, what stands out? Maybe a restaurant, a recipe, anything related to food or drink, Kelly, what do you think? How much time do I have? 
<laughs> no, I mean, I could talk about food forever. I've already requested the book that you mentioned at the library since oh, we've been talking. Yes. This was a really hard thing to narrow down for me, but I narrowed it down to two things. One is just a drink that I am semi-obsessed with, and it is hard cider. This is not new. This has been around since... I don't even know, colonial America before that, (laughs) probably somewhere in the Middle East. Uh, But I have just fallen in love with it. It's my favorite indulge me drink. And I don't really even like carbonation, but a good hard cider. It's really fun to go to restaurants. A lot of places have it on tap, which I would never have thought about before. But, you know, in this age of microbrew and homebrew, so many people are brewing cider and making it hard, flavoring it with different infusions and things. It's just been really fun. But the food, if I had to think back to this last year and think, since I love to cook and eat, I have started to make fish tacos at home. And it has made me so happy because when we moved to San Diego and I had first heard of a fish taco, I remember thinking, ew, (laughs) like (laughs) what? What is that? You know, I mean, I grew up in the Midwest. Tacos were ground beef on a flour tortilla with yes. with cheddar cheese and shredded lettuce. And so I thought the idea of putting a fish in that is utterly revolting. And then I had a fish taco and I was completely converted. Yes. You know, it's on a corn tortilla, it may be deep fried, it's got cabbage and a sauce. So a friend shared a recipe with me. It is for blackened fish. So it's just tilapia and you're blackening it. It's not a big deal. It was, yeah, that's been you know, done for a while, but it just gives it really good flavor. And my kids like it, even though it's a little spicy. And then it has this sauce, which is a, basically like a really smooth guacamole. It's my guacamole recipe, only you add sour cream to it. You put it in your food processor or blender or something so that it's not chunky. It's really creamy. And you put that on with some onion and some red cabbage. I am right back in the Baja. It is wonderful. It has made me so happy. And it is also one of those customizable meals, which is really a sweet spot for me because then the kids are like, I don't want that. Okay, well, here, you can have some fish and some carrots and some chips. You know, we can we can find a way to make this work for just about everybody in the family. So that is definitely a winner in my book. Love it. And you can leave off the cilantro for me, right? I would definitely leave off the cilantro if you come to my house. I will make you fish tacos sans cilantro. Fantastic. Rebecca, how about you? Ice cream has been a highlight of my ear. Mm. Ice cream. All Ice right. cream. The pumpkin pie blizzard rocked my world the entire (laughs) fall season. And Ben & Jerry's has a new flavor. It's Jimmy Fallon's The Tonight Dough. Oh, fun. (laughs) Fun. And I have consumed more of that than I care to admit. It's it's pretty amazing. What's Uh, in it? It is caramel and chocolate ice cream with chocolate cookie swirls and gobs of chocolate chip cookie dough and peanut butter cookie dough. It is yes. amazing. It's yes. um, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Go to the grocery store right now and put five in your cart. <laughs> it really is so, so good. A girlfriend brought it to girls' night, and we all ate out of the same pint. It was not nearly enough for all of us, and then I promptly went to the store, and I have been eating it ever since. It's It's amazing. It's amazing. Good stuff. I love it. You and my husband should get together and talk about ice cream. That is his like one food passion in life. He loves ice cream too. So that's so fun. Laura, how about you in the food and drink department? I have been on a margarita kick this year. That's not a bad kick to be on. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm not a big 
drinker. And so if I'm going to, you know, be out like with girlfriends or at a nice meal, then I might get a glass of wine. Like I'm just not adventurous. I don't want to try new things. And I don't, I haven't ever, I don't know. I just am kind of weird about drinking. And so I don't even know why I had a margarita and I was like, well, now this is what we're talking about. <laughs> 2015, Laura discovers the margarita. <laughs> right. I, I'm behind you guys. I'm so behind. I'm decades behind, <laughs> truly. And it was so good. I'd had frozen margaritas before. Like, look, I love Tex-Mex. So it wasn't wholly new, but this was like margarita on the rocks. And I've tried all different kinds. And so that has been my big discovery of the year is margaritas. But I just want to mention the best meals of my year. I had some of my best meals in New Orleans. We went to New Orleans for New Year's last year. Um, my husband was shooting something there. And we spent New Year's and had great meals. Uh, what The most memorable one was at a place called the Palace Cafe. Then a few months later, we went to the Sundance Film Festival, and I had a fantastic meal at a tavern-type place called High West in Park City. And then I have a restaurant here in Hollywood that I'm obsessed with. Jeff keeps making me take other people there because he's so tired of going there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, truly, I'm like, let's have a girls' night just so I can go to Clio. Um, it's called Cleo and it is also not my normal type of restaurant. It's small plates, kind of like tapas, Mediterranean. And I'm telling you guys, the food at Cleo in Hollywood, if you're local to this area, will rock your life. And they have margaritas. Well, (laughs) perfect combo for you then. That is so funny. As you were talking about your discovery of the margarita, I was having a little giggle to myself because the very first drink that I had when I turned 21. Kyle and I were on our honeymoon. I've talked about how we got married just before my 21st birthday. We were on our honeymoon. We were in Mexico. I had a margarita on the rocks. So yeah, you're a few decades behind me there, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, mine is mine's a little boring compared to you guys, but I have to tell you, 2015 has been my year of the struggle against Diet Coke. We talked about it on the show. I've talked about it to my friends at length and ad nauseum. So after Laura and I did our fast, which we talked about on the show, giving up our bad habits um, for 28 days. It was 28 days, yeah? Mm-hmm. 28 long days. <laughs> it might have the felt worst like more. 28 days of our year. <laughs> yes, basically. When Laura gave up Dr. Pepper and I gave up Diet Coke. Well, neither of us, to clarify ever had any intention of going off the stuff forever. So after our fast was over, I did go back and pick up Diet Coke again. And as much as I do want to be one of those people who could say, well, I quit for 28 days and then I just never drank it again. I just, I just don't think I'm that kind of person, but I do still want to cut back as Laura was talking about cutting back on Dr. Pepper and her life. I want to cut back on the Diet Coke, but I still love a cold sparkly drink. But it cannot be sweet. I cannot drink a sweet drink at all, which is why I've never, you know, like I couldn't just shift to a different uh, soda to drink. Well, in the Hangout group, lots and lots of people persuaded me and twisted my arm to try LaCroix sparkling water, which I'd kind of seen in my peripheral, you know, people drinking, um, but I'd never really taken note of it. So I did finally get around to trying it. And it's actually really amazing. I really do love it. I know there's lots of very passionate, devoted LaCroix fans. I don't know that I am to a level of feeling passionate about it, but it's a nice substitute. Instead of in the afternoon, instead of 
cracking open a Diet Coke. I grab um, a LaCroix. I really like the grapefruit for some reason. It's just, I don't know. It just really hits my taste buds the right way. So I've been hitting that stuff up lately and I'm glad I found it. I, I really am. I so, think it's gross. Did you, you tried it and you don't like it? No, it's gross. <laughs> I was going to say, Laura looks very skeptical right now. Like, I don't think I, so. I tried a bunch of different flavors because people kept recommending it to me as well. And But I don't like sparkling water, like plain sparkling water. I just, I think it tastes like gross polluted air. <laughs> well, that's what you <laughs> describe it, I guess. <laughs> um... So you didn't like any flavor that you tried? No, it tastes like polluted air with some flavor okay. drops dripped into it. <laughs> All right. Well, there, there's but that I'm, was how you really feel, Laura. That's but I'm I really I'm I'm as a friend, I'm glad it's working for you. <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> okay, well, I thought it would be great to wrap up our favorites of 2015 by each of us sharing our favorite discovery of the year. Doesn't have to be brand new in 2015, but it was new to you in the past year. So in 2015, what are you happy to have found? Laura, not LaCroix. <laughs> what is it? Um, the Headspace app. Oh yeah. Has been my biggest discovery. It's an app on your phone or iPad, and it just leads you through 10-minute or 20-minute, or I think they even go up to 60, depending on as you work through the different um, programs that he has. But the Headspace app will just walk you through a very basic mindfulness meditation, and it is awesome because I love his voice. He's Australian, and he just makes it makes meditation very approachable and not scary for anyone who might be bringing some some fears about meditation to the table for whatever reason or emotional hangups about it or anything. He like eliminates that because like what we're going to do now is breathe. You know, so that's not scary. We're going to breathe. Mm -hmm. So I just loved it. I've done several of his programs and then I've done the 10 minute one kind of over and over and it's great for beginners. It's for newbies or people who are just curious about meditation. The Headspace app, I highly recommend. Awesome. Love it. I've heard a lot of people raving about it recently. So thank you for that. Rebecca, how about you? I need to thank Laura for my favorite discovery of the year. Mm. And that is chat books. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I learned about this from Laura's blog and then she talked about them way back in episode six of Sorta Awesome. And for anyone who doesn't know or remember, chat books is an app that you can download onto your phone or tablet. I think you can even use it on your computer. And I use them to create cute little photo books for my Instagram pictures. The books are just $8 each. And they have saved me from my guilt over not finishing my big photo book projects. They are amazing. They also, they had an update that came this summer. So they also offer Facebook integration. And I think you can even select pictures maybe straight from your own camera roll. I mean, I just, Laura, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for chat books. Good You're stuff. You're welcome. Yeah. Kelly. Okay. Mine is something that I discovered in a store. It's called high-waisted jeans, <laughs> or at least mid-rise. This has been a really big deal to me this last year. I think I first tried on my first pair of high-waisted, you know, those stretchy skinny jeans at a store, and I was like, oh, game changer. Game changer for me in denim, because I am over 40, 
It just pulls everything in, sucks it in, and I don't have to worry about bending over anymore, which I love. I wear jeans probably five days a week, especially in the winter. In the summer, I wear a lot of dresses, but in the winter, I do. And that constant pulling and tugging and rearranging everything really brought me down. So it was so nice to find these jeans that just always stay close to my skin. I don't get a gap there where it's cold. Here in Minnesota in the winter, you get that cold air hitting your lower back and you're like, oh, hello, Minneapolis. <laughs> it really is 20 below wind chill today. Um, it's just nice to have jeans that fit, that feel good, that are comfortable and that you can wear every day um, in a way that makes you feel like, you know, I look good, but I don't have to sacrifice my comfort to do it. What's your favorite brand, though? I need to know. The one that I bought is called Just Black. Um, it's just a, I got them in a boutique. And so it was just local here. I'm sure you could get them online or other places. So they are almost, they're very stretchy, which I think is helpful for that sort of a look. So they just don't end up with a mom jean sort of look. But anyway, they're very, very sort of awesome. Good stuff. Thank you for that. Well, my best discovery for 2015 is sort of, I'm just going to call it personal development. This has been a year when I have really embraced lots of things under that umbrella. I have long said, as much as I have been a passionate, enthusiastic fan of Myers-Briggs, the biggest weakness for that system for me was that lack of personal development. Um, It's great to know why you think the way you do, but what do you do when you really want to move into a healthier space or healthy way of operating in your life, which those of you who have studied the Enneagram, you know that that's sort of like built into the system is levels of healthiness and unhealthiness. But I had really found that to be missing in Myers-Briggs, and I speak that like a second language. So this was the year I found some really great tools that have helped me in that realm. The first one is not directly related to Myers-Briggs at all, actually. It was episode 88 of The Lively Show. Many of you probably listened to Just Lively's podcast, The Lively Show. She has a whole variety of people who come on the show to just basically teach you um, little hacks and um, insights, ideas to make your life better. Well, on episode 88, she interviewed a woman named Lynn Robinson, and she talked about accessing your intuition. So I've long known that I was an intuitive type, and I feel like uh, my intuitive part of my personality is pretty strong, but I didn't know what to do with that. So the episode with Lynn Robinson was wildly helpful to me because she takes ideas like, trust your instincts, trust your intuition, which can feel a little flimsy and a little like, what does that even mean? What does that look like? She took those and distilled it down into some really practical steps. Like this is what it looks like to trust your intuition. This is how you can make sure you're really listening to your intuition. She even talks about these are questions to ask your intuition, which was a totally revolutionary concept to me. So, so helpful. I still think about that episode and go back and re-listen to refresh what I learned in that episode. So that combined with the Personality Hacker podcast, which I've talked about a few times on the show, particularly their episodes on understanding intuition, which was way back in their archives, episodes 29 and 30. They talk about that, how to understand what the intuitive function is, and then whether you have extroverted intuition, which I do as an ENFP, or introverted intuition, those differences were so helpful. And then I talked about on the show, their deep dive into the ENFP personality type. What they taught in that episode was something I'd never really heard before in that week that they spent on the ENFP. And that was how ENFP can use their 
introverted feeling function to ignite and engage in growth in their life. So I won't blather on too much about that, but that has been so huge. Those have been some of the biggest resources that have really inspired lots of, well, yeah, personal development in my own personal and private life. And it has spilled over into all of my projects and all of the things that I have going on. So it's been pretty big for me. So you guys, this has been so much fun. Thank you all so much for indulging my end of the year reflective mood. (laughs) Um, I cannot say thank you to each of you, the co-hosts. I cannot say thank you enough for all that you guys have done behind the scenes to make Sorta Awesome happen this year. Um, I want you all who are listening to know if you're part of the Sorta Awesome community, if you enjoy the show every week, I want you to absolutely know that without Laura and Kelly and Rebecca, this show would not be possible. And I mean that in every sense of the word. So thank you, friends, so much for making 2015 a brilliant and awesome (laughs) year for me. I had to say that before the clock ticked off of 2015. So for those who want to chat with each of you about your year-end thoughts and favorites, where can we find you on the web? Let's start with you, Kelly. I'm at Kelly at Lovewell on Twitter and Instagram. On Facebook, I'm lovewellblog.com. Okay, and Laura? I'm hollywoodhousewife.com. We'll take you everywhere you need to go, but also on Twitter and Instagram, I'm hollywoodhwife. And on Facebook, I'm the Hollywood Housewife. Okay, and Rebecca? You can find me at simplyrebecca.com. I'm also simplyrebecca on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Periscope, everywhere. <laughs> okay. Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg, or come talk to us on Facebook in the group, facebook.com slash group slash Sorta Awesome Hangout. We're also on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. Thanks for joining us today at Sorta Awesome. Show notes for this and every episode are available at our brand new website, sortaawesomeshow.com. You can also sign up for the show's newsletter, which includes extra tidbits of awesome by going to tinyletter.com slash Sorta Awesome. If you have feedback on the show, if you have a question you want us to answer, just email us anytime at sortaawesomemegan at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying the show, it would be the best holiday gift ever if you could subscribe, rate, and review the show in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I have to give a shout out to the band Prager for allowing us to use the song Strut for our in and out music. To find out more about Prager's nasty beats and pretty chords, go to pragermusic.com. And I'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.